This is the Horse Radio Network. Have you ever wanted to leave your adult life behind and go play ponies in Ocala for the winter? We talked to one rider who has made a professional career out of this. This week, we're gearing up for WAG in Italy and discussing the importance of staying hydrated. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 101 of Heels Down Happy Hour. What's going on, everybody? How's it going? It's going. It's going. <laughs> Well, this episode is brought to you guys by Ecogold, and this week I decided to bring somebody on a little earlier than a lot of our guests usually come on. So everybody, welcome Courtney. Hey everyone, glad to be back. How are you? It's good to hear your voice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's get into the drink this week. Um, This is a fun one, a little different, and I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts on it. So I found a recipe for a homemade hard seltzer. So make your one at home. Um, This recipe calls for Tapo Chico, which is probably my favorite seltzer to keep in the fridge. And they call this recipe Death Valley. So what you'll need is one bottle of Tapo Chico. Uh, They call for absinthe. I don't know when was the last time any of you have ever had absinthe. (laughs) A long time ago. Yeah. Right. Freshman year of college, maybe. <laughs> exactly. I was like, whoa. Um, so absinthe, I guess. Um, then they use about a quarter of lime juice and then a lime wedge for a garnish. And basically you pour it all together. Can use a straw if you want and garnish with the lime. And there you go. This sounds great to me, but being a you know, 34 year old adult, I would probably use vodka instead of apps. <laughs> I use vodka and I love this drink. Like as a summertime drink, like it's actually like one of my favorites. Uh, years ago, my sister and I were in Austin and got introduced to Topo with vodka and lime and we love it. It's like one of our favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does sound good. Like th- for this time of year, for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right. Ellie, you want to kick us off with the news? Sure. Yeah, I've got a feel-good story. So it's about uh, Victoria Lurkerson, I want to say I said that right, and her horse, equine American Papa Roach, they just call him um, Popeye. But in 2019, they went to Greece and competed, and she rides for the Norwegian team. And she had a clear round in the Grand Prix. They came in seventh, I think, overall, and they were, you know, on cloud nine, doing well. And then on the way back, um, somehow on the plane, a piece of metal or something came loose um, and actually severed one of the horse's tendons. Oh, Um, my goodness. Holy cow. So terrifying on so many levels. And she felt bad because it was the only time that she hadn't been on the plane with Popeye. So she was devastated. Um, And the vet basically said, like, he's he's done. He's he's never coming back you know, sorry kind of thing. Um, but they, they took him home to like their family farm and they put him outside in a pasture, you know, for a year. And then they slowly started rehabbing him. She said she did a lot of hacking in the woods and God, she said for a year, he probably never saw an arena. And then just a year and nine months after he returned to jumping, he went and competed in the meter forties um, in 2021, and he started returning to the five-star level. They had multiple championships, and she just says, like, you know, every round is a bonus. Every, you know, it's just a blessing to be able to have him back to that level. And I just thought it was a good feel-good story. That's amazing. That's have a- all that happened. Like, that's incredible. That is incredible. And just kudos to them to give the horse the time, right? Like, just throwing him outside right. and see what No, what did the happen. right thing for the horse for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I think it spoke to me because I'm like, I have hope then that Batman can make it back. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it gives everybody kind of hope. Exactly. What do you got, Justine? I have a fun science story. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, um, surprise. You have a science story. <laughs> 
So um, maybe some of you guys have heard about this, but the discovery of a 16th century horse tooth um, in Haiti actually is being studied. And they think it has a connection to the origin of the feral horses that you see off the coast of Maryland and Virginia. Um, You know, yeah, you know, this time of year where they do the pony swim, um, like Misty of Chincoteague, that, those islands out there. Yeah. Uh, and basically, so they're looking at new science to support a theory of, like, where did those horses come from? So they're looking at the DNA from this tooth and trying to figure out, was it the Spanish that brought these horses over? Uh, and that's how they, they started their wild her- horse herds out there. So this tooth, they believe... Um, will help them find the answer to that question. And actually, so when they originally found, discovered this tooth, they thought it was a, was a cow, <laughs> but it was misidentified. <laughs> so it, it took some time for them to realize like, nope, this is an equine tooth. And they're going to do a genetic analysis. And um, they're, they're saying from early studies so far on it, it confirms what they could expect from historical documents saying that the first horses that came to the Americas were boarded on boats um, from southern Spain. So that sounds likely, which is kind of cool. Because the folklore, I think, was always, you know, the, like, Misty of Chincoteague came from, like, boats that capsized and the ponies swam to the island and then, um, you know, kind of colonized their own feral pony island where, yeah. where you know, the old story. That's stories. a story I've heard for sure. <laughs> right. So there might be some truth to it, which is kind of cool now that there's science to back it up. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. What about you, Jess? So I have a pretty kind of feel-good sort of story as well. It's pretty awesome that um, now we talked about it in the past that the FEI is now recognizing rooms and that they're going to have them on the boards and they're giving them a voice, which is pretty awesome. But then WEG, um, the World Equestrian Games in Denmark with the show jumping kind of and dressage put it as like a step up. That when they put pictures of the riders and the uh, horses, they also had a picture of the groom and recognized every one of them individually, named them, and are really kind of putting it forward. So I kind of thought we could hear it firsthand because Courtney has been so involved in the International Grooms Association and, you know, she was one of the founding members and everything else. So uh, I thought it'd be fun for her to come on and kind of talk about her perspective of what she saw. Uh, We all watched it, but to see, you know, how they're recognizing the grooms and what the IGA is kind of really going forward. Um, So welcome Courtney to talk about it. Hey guys. So this is incredibly exciting. I know, you know, our WhatsApp group blew up as soon as we saw the first horse and rider go in with the grooms up on the big screen for the live feed. It's incredible what the world championships have done. And now that they're leaving Denmark and headed to Italy, We're excited to see what they do for the eventing and the driving as well. Denmark did a great job. They had a dedicated groom's lounge that had couches, grab-and-go lunches, all of that kind of stuff. And then there were banners everywhere, you know, the hashtag champions is one. It's recognizing that this is not just, you know, a rider that shows up with any horse and just hops on and goes and does it, that the grooms are working day in and day out and plugging long hours. And even though, you know, they're not getting the ribbon of the medal at the end of it, that they are very much a part of the partnership, um, the team as well. So it's really excited. We've seen a lot of FEI events that have now come forward and wanted to be a part of it as well and asking what they can do and how they get a hold of headshots so that they can put them on their live feeds and, you know, what kind of prizes and stuff they can do. So it's been crazy good feedback in the last week. And it's just really exciting moving forward. Um, And what a cool year to launch this with the world championships and have the world champs step up in the way that they have and supporting grooms. That is super cool. And Courtney, obviously you're very involved. So have you seen other, I don't know if advancements is the right word, but like other neat, like rollouts of programs that are supporting grooms at other shows? So I did a chat with the Hampton Classic last week about what's going on, um, and they're doing the same thing. They've set up a riders slash grooms lounge, and a lot of times at the big FEI jumper shows, at least, you will have like a riders tent with food, but it's usually quite far away from the stables. And so while it's open to grooms, it's hard to get there. So the big thing that we've seen is a lot of you know, organization groups are moving the food and the coffee to the barns where it's accessible to the grooms, whether it's for an early morning class or an evening class type of thing. 
um, and making sure that those food tent hours are open longer if they don't have the means to move it into the stables. That way the grooms have access to it. Like Split Rock did a great yeah. job. Yep. And Split Walmart Rock's really good about, um, like when we were in Kentucky, they had a big stall set up and it was grab and go meals from Moe's and pizza one night and stuff like that. And they were incredibly welcoming, even to the event grooms that were still there icing horses, even though it was just a jumper class that was going on that night. And they actually had people that came up and down the event barn aisles offering leftover food to the other grooms, which was huge because you usually don't see that type of cooperation, you know, cross disciplines and not that it's, you know, a malicious thing. It's just, you know, our organizing committee paid for this for our grooms and we've got this number of lunches, you know, we don't really have enough to share with the entire other show. So we're not even going to go offer it. So it was really cool of Split Rock to step up and do that. And I know Tryon is now looking for all of their fall events at making sure the grooms names at least get up on the job or like on the live feed for the Saturday night lights classes and their live feed classes. We're talking for great meadow next week, trying to figure out how to get the grooms names on the horse and country live feed for at least the dressage and show jumping when they're not toggling between cameras. So it's, yeah, it's really exciting. You know, we're really hoping we can get some more members and really get this thing off the ground. We just crossed the 200 member threshold the other day, which in four months is really great. You know, so just trying to be more involved. But I do think with the world championships, we've had a lot more show our organizers reaching out and going, how do we get involved? We want to get behind this group of people that participate in the sport as well. Very cool. So we want to say a shout out to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh, if you haven't donated to the show, uh, we try to create some extra perks for those who do. Uh, you can get some exclusive interviews that we post only for our Patreon subscribers. And we do we do ha- host some other fun things on our Patreon page. So if you love Heels Done Happy Hour and you want to help keep us on the air, that is a great way to support this show. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash heels down. So I tried a new product, guys, from Purina. You might have read it already in the Spark because I wrote a review about it. But they have a new-ish product called Replenimash. And it's um, basically taking a brand mash and kind of turning it on its head and making it a more nutritional snack or something you could supplement into your horse's you know, diet routine. Um, and I really liked it, but I... Uh, Courtney, since you're with us, I wanted to ask you guys about it. Obviously, you guys are sponsored by Purina. You feed Purina products. Have you tried the Replenimash for the horses in your fleet? I actually have. So we had this box when we came home from Tryon a couple of weeks ago, and it was full of all these samples. So I called um, our Purina girl, Anna Pesta, who I think you guys have had on before, and just Mm -hmm. chatted through it with her a bit. And she was like, you know, kind of think of it as like a protein shake when you leave the gym, you know, you burn a lot of calories, you sweat a bunch, that kind of thing. She's like, you need to kind of reboost all of that and you don't just need to eat a ton to do it. And so we talked through, you know, when to try it and how to try it. And so I used it for quantum leap after a couple of his harder jump schools and a couple of his gallops, especially when it was quite warm here in North Carolina. And I can tell you like, to me, it's kind of like brand mash meets horse quencher on steroids. And he loved it. Like over his nose, nostrils deep, went to town on it and then was just licking his lips and trying to get it all off of his face and was like, can you please give me more? Can you please give me more? <laughs> you know, and um, I do think like we the one day I fed it, it was a really, really hot day here. And I do feel, you know, like he seemed perkier that afternoon than what he normally would after a gallop set on a hot day like that. So, yeah, so I'm planning to use it after, you know, cross country and hard gallops kind of going forward and keep testing it. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think it's a really cool thing. And I'm also looking forward to trying it when they travel to try to cut back on the amount of grain that they get before they sit on the trailer, especially when we're shipping and it's hot. Oh, that's smart. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I was really impressed with the ingredients. Uh, So, you know, if you fed like, you know, about a pound of it, you're going to get a whole a whole serving of Outlast in it. It's got, you know, a full serving of electrolytes. There's no soy. Um, I think there's some flax and some dried carrot in it. But it uh, my Mikey loved it, too. Like he licked the bowl clean, like was really happy to (laughs) to slurp it down. But I I can I love how you described it like a protein shake leaving the gym, because it's exactly what I think of it as like just a really good boost of good nutrients after a workout. Yeah, 
I think it's really good. And it was, that was a good way to describe it because, you know, you don't want to feed them then like a heavy lunch or something after that, but you want to make sure you get all those nutrients back into them after they've worked really hard. Exactly. So I think you could find this wherever you find Purina products in your own feed stores, but you can always find it by going online to PurinaMills.com too. No slipping, no sliding, no problem. EcoCool's secure saddle pads are engineered to keep your horses back comfortable while keeping the saddle in place for a safe, competitive ride. They have impact protection through the seat and in the ultra-thin flaps provide the rider with better communication and a more stable riding position. Available in both English and Western styles, shop the entire collection at ecogold.ca. All right, everybody, I'm really excited to introduce another guest this week. We have Brooke Massey, who is a four-star Canadian event rider. Uh, She's also an FEI-level groom, and when she's not competing or training on her personal horses, she is also grooming for other pros in the sport. So, Brooke, welcome. I'm so excited to talk more about you and everything that you're doing, um, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And also something to know about Brooke, she's part of our Heels Down fam and Eco Gold fam. So it's uh, extra special to have her on. (laughs) (laughs) So Brooke, okay, you're no newcomer to uh, spending the winter season in Ocala. So I think it's really interesting how you've done that. And you've kind of, you figured it out, right? You make it work for yourself. And I think a lot of us dream of doing that, you know, of like, how do you, how do you just like, drop everything and go down there and work and make it work. So I have lots of questions for you related to this, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm very lucky in um, the fact that I have my job here. I actually bartend at an Irish pub here in Montreal. So um, that's my usual full-time job. And I've been there long enough now. They're super understanding. And I mean, January, February, March is pretty quiet for us anyway. So it works out that they let me leave for the winter and then I get kind of right back into the swing of things when I'm back here. Um, I usually end up flying home for St. Paddy's because it is one weekend that I'm not allowed to miss. I see. (laughs) But (laughs) that for the rest of it, they're super understanding. So, I mean, it's definitely a perk. It's not, um, I don't think most people have that luxury if you have a full-time job. So, it is possible to make it work, but I think it really depends on the situation uh, you have at home. For sure, you can work from home and stuff. That would help. But I'm very fortunate in the situation I'm in that they let me do that. And I get my job handed right back over as soon as I come home. So that so definitely be- makes that aspect easier. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, that sounds very flexible. Totally. But so tell me, like, how do you prepare for this? Like, you're obviously in Canada. And so you're, you're, are you generally like uh, networking within like Canadian riders who are going to come down for this season or how do you market yourself for this? What is essentially a short term job when you get to Florida, right? Yeah. So I, I like to work for someone different every winter because I just like getting to know a different program and how everyone runs their barn a bit differently and their training styles and techniques. Uh, and you, I mean, I really think you can learn something from everyone. So I've worked for a couple of different people and there's not usually much planning that goes into it because it's so hard. Like, I mean, more often than not, everyone needs help pretty much all the time. I think so it's <laughs> okay. pretty easy to find stuff usually. And especially because I have competed at the higher levels and have a lot more experience in grooming and competing. It's, I mean, I've been very lucky that it hasn't been too hard to find something. But more often than not, I find people don't like if you want to try and plan for your winter now. Well, people don't really necessarily know what they need now. It's kind of like maybe a month out. People start uh, looking for the winter. I see. So it's it's not a very comforting feeling to not know what you're going to do <laughs> for the winter like ahead of time. But I think that's probably the easiest way to do it is kind of just put yourself out a little bit, like maybe a month out and then kind of go from there but it's I mean everyone always needs help so that part is pretty easy I think you just got to find what program you would like and I mean I think you could have a list of people and certainly reach out to them ahead of time and maybe you know have five people that might be needing someone for the winter and go from there it would probably be your best bet so obviously you have the experience I know you were just in Tokyo with Colleen Uh, you know you're headed to the WAGs here in the next month but 
So what about for like the normal, you know, the more AME centric, like someone like me, if I didn't already live in Florida and wanted to do this, but wanted to gain that experience. Do you have any tips like on how to market yourself for these kinds of jobs? I think if you like, if you're whatever you're, you're obviously competing regularly, like let's say for someone going, I don't know, let's say novice right now and working with, I think to work with your coach that you have at home and mm-hmm. start by trying to help like be maybe their working student. And I mean, obviously not maybe every day, kind of whatever you can make work into your schedule and try and help them out so that when you do maybe go work for a professional or another professional, let's say for the winter season, it's not so much of a shock because it is a, it's a crazy amount of work. And I think a lot of people underestimate how much work <laughs> they're getting into and then they get down there and it's like traumatic for them. So I think <laughs> oh, the, mo- the most work you can do at home and incorporate it into your regular schedule that you have now so that you can just be mentally and phys- honestly physically ready to. to sure. To I mean, that makes sense. It's almost like because uh, it's. Well, honestly, and I think about it, I, I I look at these programs and it's not like you're making a ton of money, Brooke, to do this, right? I mean, so how do you how do you survive? Like a lot of these grooms and working students, especially on like a short term contract, I see the ads that, you know, some of them include board or lessons if you want to bring a horse down. Some of them have housing, but not always. I'll tell you the cost of living in Florida is going up. So how do you how do you even make it work? You're gonna come down here and work like a dog, but are you going to be able to afford to do it? You know, I would say it's probably the worst financial decision you could make. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> at least you're honest. <laughs> but you know what? You're you're getting a lot of life experience out of it. Um, sure. And yes, I think you kind of have to budget it in advance. So like, I think you definitely can get board and lessons included. And like you said, more, you can get housing. So you know, if you can't, if you have to pay for your own housing, then you're going to have to figure that out, you know, maybe more than a month out because one, it's hard to find housing, especially in Florida, like you said, and it's really expensive. So if you don't think that's going to be able to work, well, then you better find someplace that'll include housing for you. Mm-hmm. And there are enough of them that do. So I, I don't think that's impossible to find. Um, and then, yeah, like if you're not, some people will pay you like a small salary, depending on your experience too. But it depends on the place, especially like the eventers don't have they don't like it's not because they don't want to pay. They just don't have the money to do it. Right. So. Right. Like I did a show jumper one year. And so they have they're out there winning money. At least they have a little bit more money to work (laughs) with to hopefully cover their costs of their employees. So that that was definitely a little bit better. So it just depends, I think, what your priorities are. But you're going to have to budget it like start saving money for now for your winner. Cause yeah, you're going to have to, basically you're gonna have to feed yourself. And if you can get the rest covered, then you can make it work. So and, you gotta uh, be scrappy. You gotta be, and you gotta really love this. And to you gotta, yeah. yeah, you gotta love Mexican food too. Cause that'll save you. It's cheap. It's filling. You know, you could eat lots of chips and salsa for free. So that's funny. Brooke can fill herself up on some chips and salsa. <laughs> Let me tell you, the case is extra, but that's also worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brooke, I'm so excited that you are going to WEG with Colleen. You went to Tokyo with her and you had a blast there and had so much fun. Um, Colleen Loach is going to represent Canada for the eventing and Brooke is going to be her groom. Tell everybody else like what it's like when you're traveling with her, traveling with a horse and like, what do you expect? Obviously, Tokyo was a different thing where you guys had to wear a mask and it was all the kinds of quarantine. But what are you kind of expecting for Italy to be like? Are you going to, you know, what are you planning to kind of prep for and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm very lucky that I get to go with Colleen. Um, She's really taken me under her wing uh, over the last, I don't know, five years that I've been with her. And I've gotten so much experience and opportunity through her. So I'm very lucky and we've got become great friends over time too. So it's really a cool opportunity. And like you said, Tokyo is definitely um, very different with um, all the COVID regulations we had in place. Um, But to be honest, I had nothing really to compare it to for like a major games thing. So it wasn't too crazy for me, but we had so much fun and 
even with all the regulations, it it was so worth it anyway. Um, but for Italy, I'm really excited. I'm hoping that they'll give us like a day that we could go around and see a little bit too. But I think just to be at a major games event without all these regulations is going to be just wicked. And we're I get to fly with the horses this time. So that's nice. Really exciting. At Tokyo, I just took them off the plane, but I'm going to be shipping them back and forth this way. So I'm really excited to do that because that was such a cool experience, even just seeing it out for a little bit and not actually flying with them. So that'll be my first experience with that. I'm really excited. I know you're going to, we're going to have to have you back on to talk about that when you, yeah, <laughs> when you get back. That, that is yeah. cool. So I'm curious about your horses. I specifically love your big white horse, the major chase horse. Is he perfect? (laughs) He is perfect. (laughs) Is he quirky? What's he like to ride and be around? What are your goals with him? So he is actually like the most amateur friendly horse you could find. I think he has this lovely (laughs) older lady that owns him. And he can go, like, I can go around and jump an intermediate course, and then she could get on him and take him for hack, and he's, like, cool as a cucumber. (laughs) He's, like, a little chameleon. He can just completely go from one to the other in the blink of an eye. So he's been really cool. I got the ride on him this past winter, uh, right before I went down to Florida, actually. So we kind of figured each other out uh, over the winter, and then I've been showing him a bit this summer. I just moved him up to the intermediate level a few uh, show or two ago now so he's just kind of figuring that out and he's been really really good he's such a like keener he's so happy to work all the time so he's been great to have while my lovely little mare has been off so I'm very lucky to have the ride on him for now well, if you want to hear more about Brooke's little mare, you'll have to become a Patreon subscriber because <laughs> we're <laughs> going to talk more about that in a little bit. But Brooke, hey, it's been really awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. So our next guest, please welcome Erica Gerald. She is a five-star event rider based in North Carolina. She is heading to Petroni as part of the U.S. eventing team. She finished 12th in their first five-star debut with Linmore Master Plan at Land Rover, Kentucky. That same year, she was 10th as the highest-placed first-timer at Land Rover Burley. Most recently, she had a top-three finish at Lemulin last year as a top-15 finish at Badminton this spring. She has also competed him in the 140 show jumping. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to chat. Thanks for coming on. We're super excited to talk about everything. So you've been around a lot of five stars, but this is your first major team event. Congrats, first off, because uh, we are all super excited for you and Simon. How are you Thank feeling you. about everything? Um, I'm I'm excited. It's obviously big news to get the call and to be selected. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of emotions, excitement, relief, um, you know, and, and then just it all sort of feels a bit surreal, but I guess pretty quickly um, I just sort of put my head down and, you know, there's a lot of work to do in the next few weeks. So got to just stay focused. Right. And so with all those different tracks you've been around, um, lots of had terrain, lots of have kind of a little bit of everything you've jumped on the grass before. What do you think Petroni is going to be like? What have you kind of heard? Um, what are you excited for in that sense? I watched the uh, test event there this spring um, and I've kind of looked at the area a little bit like on Google Maps and it's quite hilly and I think that's actually going to suit my horse Simon really well. Uh, He's a big galloping, super strong horse, so maybe the hills will actually (laughs) help him (laughs) make him a little more rideable. Oh no, he's gotten a lot better over the few years, but, but he likes terrain and and he's a a naturally fit horse that really likes to gallop. So I think the, the hills will suit him. And um, you know, there's sort of the infamous slide that you run down and I'm sure there'll be a big technical question there. Um, So I I, I know the cross country, it's going to be a mix of uh, endurance and technicality. So I think it's going to present yeah. a pretty unique track. And um, the, Giuseppe is the course designer, I believe, and and he's known for being pretty uh, creative. Not <laughs> so, scared to build it, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's so I think we've we've got to be prepared for it all. Um, 
And, you know, and I'm excited too. the show jumpings on grass. I've actually really enjoyed that when we've gone to badminton and burley. I think my horse really likes show jumping on natural ground. And so I think that will be particularly interesting because we don't get to do that that often at, at major events. So uh, that will be um, another factor, but really looking forward to the jumping and the dressage will, uh, of course, be influential, and, <laughs> and and you know that's not my horse's strength, but he's he's come a long way, and I've got a very detailed plan of how we're going to get the best best test out of him. So I'm looking forward no. to it all. We'll be excited to cheer. So speaking of Simon Lenmore Master Plan, you have a unique story. Please tell us about like how you found him, what you did, and what your partnership because you've had him quite a long time. So tell all the listeners all about him. Yeah, so I bought him as a five-year-old. Well, actually, uh, Annie Eldridge, his owner, um, purchased him, and I found him through my good friend Anna Calder of Lemore Sport Horses, which is how yes <laughs> he got his name. Um, and it was my first horse shopping trip ever, first time to Ireland, and. To be honest, I had no idea what I was looking for. I wanted a future five-star horse, but we were looking at, you know, four and five-year-olds and. Oh, you know, I saw him love jumping him. His legs were going every which direction. He was super gangly and awkward. And I bet if I saw him again now, uh, knowing what I now do, I probably wouldn't pick him again. But there was just something about him that, you know, he was a bit disorganized. But every time he got to the base of a jump, he just gave you the best feeling in, in the air. So I just I knew knew I wanted him right from the first time I rode him. And he was quite rambunctious and, and always has been, still is to this day. Still is. <laughs> it almost gets worse. <laughs> I say his extremes grow further apart. His good day, you know, his good behavior is really, really good and his bad behavior is really, really naughty still. Um, but he's he's the sweetest horse in the world. There's not a malicious bone in his body. He's just very, very exuberant and very expressive and has no trouble letting everybody know that with his bucks and squeals he likes to squeal <laughs> in his flying changes so that will probably happen in the test but <laughs> hopefully quiet enough that nobody notices um so yeah i've i've had him for just over eight years now and we've come up through the levels and he's just a really special horse for me because he is what is my first four and five star horse i had done a handful of advanced horse trials on a previous horse but we have kind of done everything together and he's taken me all over the world and you know it's just keep adding on new adventures and it's it's been really exciting and he's just been an amazing amazing horse well ariel i know you have a bunch of interesting horses you're also developing uh jess and i are actually we're just talking about your horse gump horse the other day can you tell us a little bit more about you know your future you know your horses of the future the ones yeah. that you have in your string yeah, so it last year uh we purchased Forrest Gump um from Tom Jackson in uh Britain and it was a little bit of an experiment for me. I've never bought a horse that's been produced by somebody else. I've always bought young horses and brought them along, but I had a little bit of a gap in our string and you know, happened to come across him while I was looking at horses and he just really seemed to suit me and and I've been very, very fortunate to bring him over, and we had a lot of great runs at the three-star level last year, and he had he won try-on three-star long, and then he stepped up to advanced and four-star and jumped around the four long at Bromont this spring really, really well. So he and I are still building our partnership. I've had him about a year now, um, and he's just, he's a total professional, very, very, very good boy, and I've just been able to sync with him really well and um looking forward to figuring each other out even more in the future but um i think he'll he'll do some really exciting things um and then we also have a couple three-star horses that have a couple mares they're only eight um one is actually about to step up to four star that's um isla de coco and uh, i have another young mare named diara who's had a bunch of success at the three-star level and then we kind of keep trickling on down from there. I've got a few <laughs> prelim horses and training horses. And so there's we're trying to really make sure there's a pipeline of, of quality horses always coming along. And um, the development is really what I enjoy trying to pick them out as young horses and then producing and training them over the years and, and seeing where they go. So you've tackled the Kentucky three-day event and, and first in 2019, and you had a great finish. I feel like that event is always super big for American inventors. What did that mean to you? Um, after WEG, what's on the horizon for you? 
Um, well, competing at Kentucky has always been a dream of mine. I watched videos of it as a kid and I got to go. I can't remember exactly how old I was, probably 12 or something like that. I remember my mom <laughs> took me one year to watch. Um, so that's something that's always um, been a huge item on my bucket list. So that was very exciting to be able to go jump around Kentucky and you know hope to be back there again, uh, either with Simon or, or another horse in the future. And, you know, that event it was just really a springboard for everything we've done since then. And I think just gave Simon and I a really, really good base in introduction to the five-star level. And uh, we've been able to just keep growing on from there. Hopefully, Simon, I mean, he's 13 this year, and I'm, I'm hoping we have many more five stars ahead of us. So we'll see, get him through the season. And then uh, I'd really love to uh, make another trip to badminton and, and to Burley with him. Um, and then hopefully have other horses aimed at Kentucky and, you know, we'll just sort of keep producing them along and aiming for, for big events, both here and abroad. No, that's so exciting. And we will, everybody will be cheering for you guys. We're so excited for you to go over uh, to Italy and really kind of show us how it's done. Cause we'll be exciting, especially to watch you guys jump. You're amazing to watch jump both cross country and show jumping. So everybody well, will be you. thrilled to keep watching. So thanks for joining us. Of course. All right, guys, it's time for Rose and Thorn. Who wants to go first? I guess I can go. All right. <laughs> we can <laughs> guess. Thorn's- I think you guys can guess. Um, so, all right, I'll try to keep it uh, abbreviated. So my thorn is that I have had a uh, multiple sclerosis flare-up, which it's my first one. I've had MS for six years, so I'm disappointed uh, that it's happened. But basically what happened is I kind of just like was driving to actually exercise Berkeley because I was supposed to go to Saratoga this past week, um, didn't get to do that because I lost my vision. So that happened. It started as like, just kind of like a blurry and then it just got worse, got worse. And then my left leg kind of went numb. So my doctor was like, you probably should go to the ER. So I did. And then I had to spend some time in the hospital and then, um, I was able to get out and had to do some infusions and, my vision is better and my legs not numb anymore, but uh, still not good enough. Like I can't, can't read text on my phone. I can't read a book. I can't work because I'm a graphic designer, so I can't see a computer. So that's kind of upsetting. But what I was most upset about was not being able to ride at uh, Saratoga because I was so excited to go with Berkeley. We do it every year. And so that was kind of a bummer. Um, I mean, I'm grateful that it's getting better and they're, they're telling me, well, my neurologist is telling me that it will get better because um, there's nothing actually wrong with my actual eyeballs. It's all just, um, you know, MS swelling of lesions in the brain. So it sucks. I feel extra bad now for Batman on his stall rest because I feel like now I have a really good understanding of what it's like to be on stall rest because I, I can't even do anything. Like I love to read books. I can't, I can't do anything. So that sucks. But my rose is that I was really lucky. Uh, My mom actually came down from Saratoga because I can't drive because I can't see. So my mom actually came down uh, after they dropped the horses off in Saratoga and she picked me up. So I was actually able to go and watch my sister, even though she was real blurry. Um, I was able to go watch her ride. Um, so that was really fun because I got to watch her show and like, you know, still be a part of the horse show fun, um, even though I couldn't horse show. So a little disappointing because I wasn't able to show, but it was still fun to like hang out with my my trainer and my mom and my sister and stuff at the show. So man, Ellie, that's a lot. I am glad that you're feeling better, but I'm so sorry they had to deal with that. I know. And the fact that you had to miss the horse show, oh, because I know you're really looking forward to it. I so, know. I texted both sucks. you guys. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I will tell so, you, my favorite photo was you giving your poor cat insulin in your, in your, 
hospital gown in the parking lot of the hospital. Like that was the most Ellie picture that ever existed. 100%. (laughs) I think we have to God bless Matt because poor man before work and after work would bring Pearl for her insulin injections. I mean, and he's also doing, I mean, now I I can see a little better, but he's been doing all the horses by himself. And that's usually my gig, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's my job. And I mean, he's been, he's been, and I can't drive. So he's having to drive me to all of my doctor's appointments. Um, so his work has been really great about it and it just freaking sucks. I mean, like, yeah. And um, on a realistic note, I didn't sign up for short term disability with my work because I'm 26 and I didn't think that was necessary. So, I mean, I'm taking like basically an unpaid leave break, but, uh, and, and like I have to pay out of pocket to keep my health insurance going. But it's just like, you know, I mean, you don't think about something like that because I'm 26. I shouldn't have to worry about Social Security disability, you know, Um, but I can't work. I I mean, I can't drive. I can't. It's awful. Um, So definitely not fun. But I'm glad at least I can kind of see now um, and I can at least like brush the ponies and stuff. I don't know how how well I'm brushing them, (laughs) but at least I can, you know, physically do it now. So. Well, I'm glad you're getting better. Just take it day by day. And there will always right. be more horse shows, you know? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I might actually try to go to WEC, the one in, Ohio. Uh, isn't it in Ohio or Illinois? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In Ohio. Yeah. yeah. I might try to do that. So we'll see how I feel and also how my financial situation is since I'm not getting paid. Right. Uh, so it might be a while before I horse show, but I would just like to, to ride a horse. It'd be nice to get back on Berkeley at some point. Um, I told Matt that even if I'm blind, he's ponying me on a trail ride soon because I'm sick and tired of sitting around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? You want to go, so, Jess? Uh, yeah, I can go. Um, so the last time I was on, we talked about my rose was that, or not the last time, one of the last times that I was on about us trying to find a nanny and that we've like had some luck for like short-term people. But my rose is definitely that. We found the cutest girl. She is awesome. The kids love her. She's outgoing. She knows about the horses and everything else. So my rose is definitely that Inslee came into our life and that she is now the nanny because it's just such like a sense of relief that it's hard to find somebody that you trust with the kids and everything else. And so we have, she has been our blessing this month is that she is here and she, everyone loves her. The girl like Courtney and the girls love her. She helps out with them. She helps out with us. Like, so she is truly the blessing this month. And that is definitely my rose is that we got a new nanny for the kids. Awesome. Um, it was awesome. She's, and she's so great. She's like, so upbeat. She fits all in with everybody. Like I can't rave about her enough. So thankfully that is my rose. And then my thorn is that, I have this young horse that I've had since he was basically 10 months old. Like we bought him as a baby and I've been breaking him and he's been really good, but I leave a lot of times. So then he's like on the slow track to be broken. Um, (laughs) and it's fine. Like no big deal. I'm just taking my time and he might do the hunters like, and he's four. So it's like not a big deal. Well, I've been riding him and he's been really good. And then he got a little like kind of grumpy one day and I was trying to get him to canter. And so like, he went to like kick out at my leg or whatever. And I was like, seriously, so like tapped him and like kicked. So then I went to like, kind of really get after him like a moron. I know cause he's a baby and he, he's so quiet. I didn't even know he could do this. He launched so high in the air. <laughs> oh boy. Dropped so bad and then ran bolting and it doesn't really steer hundred <laughs> percent. So I then finally was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got him to like halt. Well, he halts really quickly and spins and I go way to the left. So, oh gosh. <laughs> you survived so, all the bronking just to get, get dumped off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. So, and Doug's like, wow, I didn't know the little thing could get that far up in the air. And I do want to say, that we are talking about something else. And Doug's like, 
know. He's like, he is so small. He's like, well, at least you don't ever have a far way to fall. I was like, I don't want to fall off. I hate falling off. Yeah. And so I do feel that he kind of cursed me that day. And that's why I fell off, to be honest. Not that I had anything to do with getting after him. And I definitely, that's why I got bumped No, it's off, definitely Doug's fault. It's much easier to blame Doug. <laughs> I give you credit, too, because your arena doesn't have any, like, Railing. No, there's, railing. Yeah. There's no, no, there's no railing, but I didn't even leave out of the arena. Like I was like coming across the short side and it just shot so high in the air and then bugged so hard. And Doug stayed in there and he's like, oh, I didn't know that thing could get up that far. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, then I like he's terrified that he dumps me. So then no one can get, and he's like in the circle and the girls like come running out and like, we kind of corralled him, but then I have to get back on him because like I was fine. So I was like, I go get on him and he's like terrified. And so I like had to like old school, like jump on his back and make sure he like, wasn't going to be bad and turn into this. He was fine. And I've been on him several times since, but Definitely my thorn is that I got bucked off because <laughs> I was being special and got after him. Well, the, thank you for sharing that, Jess, because it makes the rest of us in the world <laughs> feel better. Like, we all get bucked off. So. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Doug's like, oh, that was bad. I was like, thank you. Thank you for that. Like, Were awesome. you sore? Were you sore after that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I do have to say, we have the beaver human blanket thing, and that was amazing. Like, I, we have that, and then, you know, we talk about, like, the thumper thing, like the massage gun. Yeah. If you get bucked off, don't put the massage gun on you the next day thinking that's going to make it feel better. It actually feels terrible. I was like, oh, that's terrible. Like, too much, I was too much. Way too much, way too soon. But the beaver blanket did help. Like, that was huge. But I was like fine with an now it's fine but it i was definitely sore for a couple days that's <laughs> funny oh my goodness so what is your rose and thorn okay so i have two things that like neither one is really a rose or thorn but the kind of i don't know i'm just gonna tell you two stories and you can you guys can decide which one is my rose and thorn <laughs> oh boy. okay so the first one is a story that happened to me at work um, that I told my husband. Well, he was like looking for something in my purse while we were in the car. And he was like, why do you have this in your purse? And it was a pair of like wall face clippers, like a small pair. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot this happened to me. I'm so glad you reminded me because this is my story for the podcast this week. So I had I don't know why I. I, like I was trimming a baby horse at the show jump barn. I don't remember why, like they, he was going to whack and I was clipping a few horses for the trainer. And so I just have had this pair of clippers in my purse for, I don't know, like two weeks. And I'm just my, I have a bottomless purse. So it just becomes buried and I forget it's there. Well, I had to go into the office a few times this last week for various meetings. And I'm in like a, a conference room with a bunch of editors at my job. Oh, no, and no, no, no. No. <laughs> and all Stop of a sudden, it. like we're sitting down and I put my purse on the ground and I don't think about it. And the meeting's starting and everyone's like, what's that noise? So people keep stopping and they're listening and they're like, what is that noise? And they're like, someone didn't want to say it, but they were but like, just, you know what yeah. that sounds like? <laughs> <laughs> and it was the clippers in my purse. <laughs> going off and that's I was not like, what anybody thought in the room that was what that was though <laughs> nope sure and not. I was like when I realized it was the clipper you my face just I was like oh god and I was like I swear to god it's a pair of horse clippers and of course you know these are like normal corporate people yeah like they're like no I way. swear to god I'm pulling them out I'm like look and they're like why do you have this in your purse and I'm like oh god I don't even have a good explanation for this uh, and the better explanation <laughs> is it wasn't the other thing exactly yeah, yeah that is the best and i was like look look i could shave somebody's head right now <laughs> oh my god yeah it was a good laugh alex was like wow but <laughs> that happened to me we were like getting ready talking about like the primary elections that's coming up here in florida next week and i'm <laughs> my so no <laughs> take them out of your purse so that they're not in the restaurant and you don't like you can't stand up in the middle of the restaurant and be like i swear they're clippers like, i know yeah, just take them out of your purse <laughs> i know but no yeah like literally in a dead silent conference room full of all of my colleagues yeah that happened to me 
Um, so yeah, that, I don't know if that's a rose or a thorn. <laughs> I guess it depends on how you look at it. But the other one is, um, in my, my horse is broken. I have nothing to do. I just keep buying stuff phase of my life. I bought two, my first two, um, fancy matching PS of Sweden sets ever in my life. And I've actually, I've had them for a couple of months, but my, I guess this is my thorn. My thorn is that I am too afraid to use them because they're going to get disgusting. I feel like they're so beautiful. The pads are so nice and so pretty that the first time you ride in them, especially in August in Florida, they will never be the same again. No. You know, like I, you know, I wash my pads, even the cheapo pads never look the same after, you know, one wash. Like, so I'm too afraid to use them. They just sit in my house. Like, why do we spend all this money on a, on a pad for schooling, not even for showing that is pretty because I'm just going to ruin it is what I've decided. That is probably your thorn. It's never going to look as nice as it does right now sitting in my, in my office. Yeah. <laughs> and it has not touched a horse. I'm afraid to use it. So it's I like just, the nice coolers. You don't want to put those on horses because they're just going to get gross. So I can't get behind this trend. I bought two sets and I'm like, I can't even use this because it's going to, I'm going to ruin it. So that's my thorn. Maybe that's a, yeah, you know, man. like unpopular opinion, but I just, I can't do it. Yeah. I'd have a hard time doing it. That's why literally all of ours are just one schooling pads. And- yeah. Like little well, we know what we do is we take our show pads, like the Eco Gold show pads, that mm-hmm. start looking dingy, like because they're ten years old, and we make them sh- schooling pads. That makes sense. So then we don't really like; they still look really nice, but they're not nice enough to be show pads, and right. then they don't—they're not bad. So like our entire barn has, like over the years, we've you know used the Eco Golds that now we have black and white only because we're not really a color born anyways um I know that's you guys are boring like, that way yeah we're very boring <laughs> <laughs> i know that's gonna be the unpopular opinion is that you will never see us in anything color like, period i will tell but, you though the eco gold like just their texture of pads those do well in the wash like they oh, always you, come out clean where i feel see, like the yeah, fancy but, satin ones are ruined right away they're ruined they're ruined yeah. so yeah. like are still like and i will have to tell you um, like OxyClean or Whiteout or any of that, mm-hmm. like makes them last for forever. I know. And at horse shows, they dry so fast. We keep like uh, the little dollar Dawn that's like small and you can spot clean it with some like Oxy and Dawn and rinse it off and let it dry at the horse show if it gets like a little dirty and it lasts all week. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Because so, like my I hunter mean, pad looks brand new and I've, I, you yeah. know, I've used it 30, 30 plus times, you know, it's like great, but, but yeah, I mean, I've been in, I mean, some of mine, like my Canadian ones are probably 15 years old. Wow. So like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point they became schooling pads one, cause they have Canadian flags on them and I don't ride at a high level to really have <laughs> Canadian flags on my saddle pads. <laughs> so, that's funny. but I mean, that's what I understand because I was like, you know, in the beginning, like, how do you spend a lot of money? So we've, we've swapped ours over and it's any kind of like thing that looks like a little bit, not perfect for shows. Like it used to be baby pads or whatever. Else, right. Right. They became schooling pads. And then I didn't feel bad about them because I've not jumped on the matching trend. No. Cause I, like I said, they're never going to be the same. They're so, not. I got one, I got to like really be picky about the fir- the one ride I get with it. Like I better get a million oh, no. pictures. Cause you better get them. Be the one time. <laughs> got to get them and make sure you have the perfect outfit on. Cause it's that know, time's it. it. It's it. And it's not going to be August in Florida. I'm going to tell you. No, <laughs> so. no. Wait till like October when yeah. there, there's like nice leaves, like all that. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> So whether it's been hours of barn chores or a week long at the show, candles burned out equestrian have comfort for everyone. These hand poured candles are natural, renewable, and soy based. So you can feel good about lighting one in your home. Be careful though. You deserve to relax, unwind, and breathe in a sweet spell of not horses for once. Shop them at shop.heelsdownmag.com. All right, guys. So I've got a good mailbag for both of you who own and manage your own barns. 
So we had a member post in our Facebook group who says they're terrified of rodents. And basically they found mice poop in their helmet recently and they're a border. And that just totally freaked them out because they have a mice phobia. Totally understand that. I would freak out too. But she's looking for advice on like, how do you like talk to your barn manager about that? Also, how do you just handle mice control rat control within your barn so do you guys have any advice well so when we first moved in we had a ton i mean like mice were just you know it was an old hay farm and like so they were kind of everywhere and so what we did is we we just set up like traps like there were all kinds of different ones that we would set up like and we found like some of like the rat traps honestly worked better because they were getting into the feed like in the auxiliary barn they were just and i'm the same with you like i can't it kind of makes me cringe talking about this to be honest like i can't do rodents and i really cannot do mice like I scream like a child that is like dying if I see one and they're like, what happened? And I'm like, I saw a mice. And they're like, Oh, seriously, man. Like we thought you were dying. So I hear you with that because if I found one in my helmet, like kind of feel sick right now, to be honest. Um, just the thought that I would just, if you're able to like put out traps and like ask the barn manager and say, do you mind if we put these out? And like, maybe can you put them like, if you have a tack locker or something like that, put them in there so that it's kind of away from it. Like try any of those sort of situations and see, you know, just, I always say like great communication. Like, so just open up the chat and like talk to people about it. Cause most of the time people are pretty willing to talk with you if you're also willing to go, okay, look, I'll help in this way or that way. Yeah. Good advice. What about you, uh, Ellie? Do you have like, I'm sure you've had to deal with this over time. Uh, Yes. Um, So obviously, I mean, my first go-to is my barn cats. Um, But (laughs) so I've recently, I don't let my barn cats in my tack room because I don't want them scratching saddles or anything like that. Um, And I've recently found them, like all of a sudden there was just, like, I opened up a pad and they had stockpiled actually cat food inside the pad. And I was like, what the actual beep is going on. So what I have found for my research, peppermint oil, if you spray that, mice do not like it. So I spray it, which obviously it's nice because it smells good. But if you spray that, like, you know, in your helmet or, you know, in your box, they're repelled oh. by it. They, they don't like it. They don't want to go by it. Um, so what I do is I just outline like my entire, it's the corners of my um, tack room that they're coming in. So I like douse it in the corner and I actually like soaked a rag and stuck it in the hole that I saw. And that has helped tremendously. Um, I do have some, you know, traps with peanut butter as well, since I don't let my barn cats in there. But I also think I'm going to bring my saddles in this winter and let them go in there just to you know, clean it out, scare them out a little bit, but yeah. So peppermint oil, if you, and if you can Google huge. it, um, there's like a, there's some video that I watched like on YouTube or something. And they talked about like, like how much to dilute it, but yeah, peppermint oil. Huh. Mm, that's good to know. So I, the a previous barn I boarded at had a really terrible rat pro, uh, problem. And I don't know, Florida, it's hard. You know, they didn't have cats. They weren't I like it needed a professional service to eradicate them. It was so bad. I used to keep mothballs in the bottom of my tack trunks just to try to keep, you know, like would they smell it and go away if they ate it? Like, you know, just to protect my own equipment. But I don't know. I just feel like that's like barn management 101, you know, like if you're not yeah. going to have cats in the barn, like you got to do something because that's it's not healthy for the horses. It's not you know, it's not healthy for anybody. And it's they're going to eat your equipment if it gets that bad. And here in Florida, where it's warm all the time, I just I feel like they multiply so quickly. So you have to, you really have to be aggressive. You have to yeah. get on it fast because then they are it's like gets out of control so fast, I feel like. But there are like professional services now that, you know, you call a professional that will come into your barn and can get rid of them in a way that it's, it's, you know, they have methods that are, that are not going to hurt your cats or hurt your horses, you know, but can get rid of, get rid of the problem. But I understand that it could be an uphill battle when you're just a boarder or someone who rides at the farm and not an owner, you know, getting those people on board. 
but you do not have to live in a rat infested barn. Like maybe consider no. a different one, <laughs> you know, if that's, yeah. if that's where you're at. So, so if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on the podcast, you can always send us an email by going to hello at heels down or you can join our Facebook group, which is the heels down happy hour podcast lounge. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. We want to say thank you to all of our partners this week, Equal Gold, Candles for Burned Out Equestrians, and Purina. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers.